Hello, and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. We're very happy to offer another bonus episode this week in our Share Your Light series. The purpose is to bring you other listeners who are making a difference, who are stepping out of their comfort zone, who are raising their vibration. And hopefully that may be a catalyst for you to realize that you can put your own dreams into action as an empath, as a healer, as uh, someone who wants to raise the vibration for the whole collective. So today's guest is Meredith Kendall. Meredith is a Reiki master teacher, a college professor, and a registered nurse. Meredith earned a Bachelor of Science in Nursing degree, a Master's degree in Nursing Education, and a Doctorate in Nursing Education Leadership. Dr. Kendall is an Associate Professor at the Maine College of Health Professions, where she is the Director of the Registered Nurse to the Bachelor of Science in Nursing, RN to BSN, program, and is an Adjunct Professor at the University of Maine at Augusta, where she teaches Reiki. Kendall's first Reiki teacher was Kay Mora of Aquasic, Maine. She has since studied with Haikuten Enemoto and with Franz Steiner. Kendall started Reiki programs at a small hospital and at a cancer support center. Teams of Reiki practitioner offer free sessions to clients. Kendall was Reiki coordinator for the Lewiston, Maine Dempsey Center for eight years. She managed a team of Reiki practitioners, shared Reiki with people whose lives have been impacted by cancer, taught classes to clients of the center, and conducted research. Kendall and her co-author, Dr. Erica Lovett, presented their research poster, Reiki Improves Health of Oncology Patients in and Out of the Hospital, at the Knight Society for Integrative Oncology Conference in Albuquerque, New Mexico, at the International Research Congress on Integrative Medicine and Health in Miami, Florida, and at the American Holistic Nurses Association National Conference in Norfolk, Virginia. Kendall is the author of two books on Reiki, Reiki Nurse and Reiki Stories. Welcome, Meredith, and thank you so very much for coming on today. Thank you for inviting me, Denise and Samantha. It's so exciting to be here. And thank you for doing what you do, educating people and bringing people together in the light. Thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. Is there anything left on your bucket list? (laughs) (laughs) There are some petroglyphs in Machias, Maine I would like to see. Ooh, me too. Okay, I've got to add that to my list. Your your biography (laughs) is incredibly impressive. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. It's interesting, as a professor of nursing, and you've been a nurse for a long time now and worked your way through and you're amazing, how do you find the balance between the traditional, that world of healing and, and Reiki as a healing modality? Do you blend the two? Do you see them as separate? Are people more open to it now? Oh, that's a great question. And yes, I do find that people are open to blending healing methods like Reiki with uh, conventional methods like nursing, Western biomedicine. Um, Yes, I do find a lot of people are very interested in learning about integrative healing modalities. So uh, as a nurse, yes, Reiki is so important to me. The the way I think about Reiki and the way I teach it, uh, when I teach it at the university, I I organize Reiki into three areas. Reiki for personal use, Reiki in the community, and Reiki for professional or clinical use. So as a nurse, so Reiki for professional use, I find that 
uh, Reiki is within the scope of practice of a nurse, according to the American Holistic Nurses Association. Reiki is within the nurse's scope of practice. Of course, the nurse must obtain an informed consent from the client. And the way I usually recommend that the nurse obtains informed consent is by merely explaining what they're going to do. And usually that's placing their hands on or just above the client's body. I tell the um, Reiki practitioner or the nurse, don't try to explain what Reiki is. It's so complicated and uh, difficult for people to understand. And I could attempt to explain that today if you wish. So Reiki for professional use, it's within the clinical nurse's scope of practice. And I recommend that nurses learn Reiki or some similar practice so that they have a spiritual foundation and they have a way to uh, replenish, renew, recharge to so they um, can combat burnout. So they need a method of self-care so that they can prevent or reduce the risk of burnout. Does that help? Perfect. Tremendously. I love to hear people's stories about how Reiki found them. I remember when I met my first Reiki teacher, she said, Reiki finds you, you don't find it. And I've found that to be true. So could you tell our listeners how Reiki found you and and maybe yeah, a sentence or two about what the heck Reiki is. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Uh, one day when I was a clinical nurse, my back was sore and a coworker offered to share Reiki with me. I had no idea what it was. She put her hands on my back and I whirled around. I said, what are you doing? How, why are your hands so hot? Did you just heat them up? What, what are you doing? So that was my very first. And then years later, I was sitting on a beach with my cousin and she was a Reiki practitioner and she started telling me about it. And I said, I have to do that. I have to do that right now. I have to learn what that is. I have, I have to learn Reiki. So I did, I went and got a book, took classes and became a Reiki practitioner. So it was those two things. It was having a session and then just like serendipitously on the beach. And let me tell you what Reiki is to me from my understanding, from my years of study. I think that Reiki is love. Reiki is light. Reiki is connection, kindness, compassion. Reiki is a path to enlightenment. Reiki is a philosophy. Reiki is my personal spiritual foundation. It's the way that I find meaning and purpose in life. And I know that so many people are searching for meaning and purpose in their lives right now. So I recommend that they either study Reiki or something similar, find, you know, find a spiritual practice, a spiritual foundation. So I think that Reiki is love and light. Reiki is joy. And Reiki doesn't have a defined energy system like so many um, inter- um, practices do, integrative practices do. For example, yoga has a defined energy system called chakras. Um, earth energy, there are ley lines. So those are defined energy systems. Reiki is gentle and diffuse and does not have a defined energy system. And one other thing I want to say about what Reiki is, is that Reiki is non-intentional. There are intentional energetic practices like healing touch and therapeutic touch. And when I mean, what I mean by intentional is in therapeutic touch and healing touch, 
the client and the practitioner set an intention. They say, oh, this is, I want to get rid of the pain in my left thumb. So that would be setting an intention. With Reiki, we don't set an intention because we don't don't presume to know what is the greatest good for that person, for a client. I mean, if I'm talking about if you're sharing Reiki with another person, we don't set an intention. We just, we just be Reiki and um, we don't set an intention. So that's a really brief explanation of what Reiki is. It's some kind of vibration of joy. I love that description. Thank you so much. I like to think of Reiki as universal Drano. And- <laughs> I know that probably doesn't sound as as polite as it should, but I don't know. Do you get that feeling? Like whenever I'm channeling Reiki energy, I feel like it's cleansing me. It's cleansing whoever I'm working on. It just kind of breaks up all blockages. Yes, yes, that's great. I love that. And the, but plus, it fills me up. It fills me with light, and it fill. I think it fills when I share it. I think it fills the the client with light. So flushing, cleaning, cleansing, releasing, oh, releasing energy you no longer need is so important. But then yes, filling back up with light. Could you talk a little bit about, we have a lot of people asking, can this work from a distance? Do do I have to go to an in-person session? Could you talk about that a bit for a minute, please? Sure. I would love to talk about that. That's a great question. I want to start with learning Reiki. I firmly believe that when a person is learning Reiki, that must be done face-to-face because I think you have to feel the energy. You have to work with a teacher face-to-face in person to learn. That's my opinion and the opinion of most or all of my teachers. Uh, Okay, and then, but once you learn Reiki and become proficient and you've been practicing, then, uh, and there are three levels in Reiki. And so once you achieve level two, you um, are able to share Reiki at a distance. And in my experience, it is amazing. Well, Reiki is amazing. And be careful because it just might change your life. It changed mine. Reiki is amazing. And distance Reiki, I find, is amazing. When I share Reiki at a distance, um, I, I feel it. I fall into the Reiki flow is how I call it. I just fall into the Reiki flow, which is the universal life force energy. There's a throbbing. There's a pulsing. Um, it's similar to a meditative state. Reiki opens my intuition, so when I share distance Reiki with someone, I often get messages, knowing, or visions, or words, and I um, have to decide how to, if or how to share that, because I believe firmly that when I share Reiki, what I'm doing is supporting that person's journey toward to their own knowing. What I'm doing is creating a healing space, bringing my healing, authentic, therapeutic self to that space, and supporting that person on their journey, on their walk, their path to enlightenment. Shoot, did I answer your question? Distance Reiki. Yeah, okay. Beautifully, thank okay. you. Just one quick follow-up on that. I, I, I think, and, and this is just my own aside, a lot of people take a weekend course and consider themselves a practitioner. And that really, really concerns me because I think that not to be over the top, but a sacredness to sharing that level of work. So do do you feel that there should be some, not credentials or validation, but more, how can someone know that they're working with someone that is, is working in this light that, because the way you describe this is exactly what people are looking for right now. Okay, that's a great question. And I, um, I think 
As far as finding a reputable Reiki practitioner, it should be someone who practices Reiki every day, um, someone who somehow they're not going roping you in. They should feel authentic. They mm-hmm. shouldn't rope you in. They shouldn't tell you your chakras are broken or they shouldn't tell you what their vision for you is. But again, support you on your journey. Now, a weekend class? Absolutely. Sure. That's fine. I think that everyone has a latent healing ability and Reiki can awaken it, fine tune it, focus it. And a weekend class, absolutely. We have a weekend class attuned to level one. Go for it. Get started. Start um, Start walking on the Reiki path. Yes. I wouldn't recommend a weekend class to and with no experience and become a Reiki master. That doesn't feel reputable to me. Uh, with the three levels, one, two, and three, level one, Reiki on self and others. Level two, distance Reiki. Level three is master teacher. And I, in my opinion, I think that, yeah, go for it, level one, soon after, level two, that's fine. You can stay at level one your whole life, that's fine. If someone chooses um, and wishes to be earn level three, I personally really think they should work with a Reiki master for a year, work closely sharing Reiki and learning um, before the uh, that Reiki master attunes that student to level three. But again, that's my personal opinion not everyone does it that way and one thing I love about Reiki is there is latitude and we respect each other's practice however people choose to practice within the um, limits of ethical practice ethical touching you know within those limits beautiful thank you I agree with you. I think there should Reiki one and two. If you do that in a weekend, I think that's fine. Reiki two makes Reiki one so much more. I don't know, understandable. Like once you understand the symbols, it it kind of takes it to the next level. But I agree that there should be a a very long wait between two and three. You need to join that Reiki circle and and see how it's going to work in your life because that's something I love about Reiki is it opens up different things in different people. And I'd love to hear from you, how, how has it worked in your life with your incredible nursing background? Do you feel a pull to medical intuition or do you focus on physical issues when you're working on someone? How, how does it look in your life? I don't feel like I have a big skill and talent with medical intuition. I know what you're talking about, like, you know, diagnosing. I, I'm, I am firmly a nurse and we, we can, we give health, health advice, teaching. Absolutely. We may not diagnose medical conditions, but once we know what someone's medical condition is as diagnosed by a doctor, then we can um, provide education and support. So where do, where do I see myself using it? Well, as a nurse, certainly I encourage nurses to learn Reiki and learn and practice Reiki. And I also have a secret agenda. I would love to see nurses start Reiki programs at their institution, wherever it is that they work. So that is my mission right now, teaching and and sharing and spreading Reiki that way. Could you speak more to that? I get a lot of questions from former Reiki students. Some are nurses, many are not. And they would like to start a, a volunteer healing program at their local hospital. And they'll reach out to me and say, no one's responding to me. What do I do? And I, I never know really how to help them because I'm not 
familiar with hospital politics, lingo, or how any of that works. So what are some suggestions for people who would like to start something like this in their local area? Oh, that's a great question. And absolutely, I know exactly what they need to do. So I can answer that. So um, let me start by saying it takes about a year. They should expect that it will take a year to organize this program. We'll call it a Reiki program at a hospital. It will probably take them a year because I've done it twice. I started Reiki, a Reiki volunteer Reiki program at a small hospital and at, the, at a cancer outreach support center. Um, so the first step is to form a committee. So email, talk to people, get a committee together, someone who's interested in helping you to helping this person to set up the Reiki program. And it should be a multidisciplinary committee. So they should have physical therapists, nurses, doctors, um, admitting whoever is interested and is willing to serve on the committee. When I started the Reiki program at the hospital, that was so interesting to me to have the multidisciplinary focus because I learned how important language is. So for the doctors on the committee, they let me know that we, I couldn't call anything about Reiki. I couldn't call it medicine, that they own that word. And then the physical therapist chimed in. We couldn't call it Reiki therapy because therapists own that word, therapy. So language was important. So I um, decided to call them Reiki sessions. So language is important. Multidisciplinary committee. So start a committee, organize the meetings, meet. And then the next step is to write policies and procedures. So what is it exactly you want to do? How are you going to do it? You need to educate the staff as you get going. So if you're going to offer Reiki, you need to tell everybody what that is so they'll know and they can talk to the clients. You need the support of administration because you're not going to go anywhere or do anything without administration. This is if you want to start a team. If you just want to do it on your own as a nurse, again, it's within the, your scope of practice. You just need informed consent from the client. Now, I feel strongly that Reiki practitioners should be paid for their time, they're skilled, but that is a big problem in a hospital or a medical institution because you have paid employees and you have volunteers in a hospital. And the volunteers have to do minimal education just to be able to function in a clinical environment. So just some minimal education. And their programs are not supervised by accreditors or federal agencies, state and federal agencies. Now your paid employees, they have to do extensive education annually. They have to be certified and licensed. And anything that a paid employee does is scrutinized by accrediting bodies, and state and federal agencies. So the reason that Reiki practitioners are more likely to be volunteers is so that that program isn't scrutinized and there's there are fewer hoops for those people to jump through in order to provide Reiki. So there can be intangible rewards like meal tickets for the Reiki practitioners, meal tickets, swag, gifts, coffee cups. I took my my team at the cancer center, I rented a house on an island off the main coast for a weekend and treated everyone to a weekend at this big house. It was 10 bedrooms. It was right on the water. It was gorgeous. We lucked out with the weather. People brought their Reiki tables and we did Reiki on the beach. It was so awesome. And we just hung out all weekend. We tuned each other. 
we talked about Reiki, we shared Reiki, we ate great food, it was wonderful. So there can be intangible rewards. So again, to start a program at a medical institution, start a committee, form a committee, write policies and procedures, educate the staff, and then do some trial runs. And when the way I did it at the hospital, I got a checkoff box on the admission screen, which I felt was huge, was huge, because that meant that every time a person was admitted to the hospital, the admitting nurse asked the person if they were interested in a free Reiki session. So that was awesome. Oh, also one other thing, there are hospitals who have started Reiki programs and they will help they they will help you along. For example, when I started the Reiki program at the hospital, I leaned heavily on Hartford Hospital in Hartford, Connecticut. They had a whole how-to book on how to do this. And they even came up, no, they didn't come up. They came up from Maine Medical Center and met with us because Maine Medical Center had a Reiki program. They came and met with us people who ran that program at Maine Medical Center. Hartford Hospital has since started charging for their book on their how-to book, but there are books out there and people willing to help. So all you need to do is ask. That's fantastic. That's, that's really good information. Thank you. Can you tell us about your books uh, before we wrap up and, and what, like maybe a story or two from your Reiki storybook? Oh, sure. Thank you. Um, yes, so I wrote two books about Reiki, about my Reiki journey and just my transition, my spiritual awakening. One is called Reiki Nurse, My Life as a Nurse and How Reiki Changed It, and Reiki Stories, My Hot Hands. Both are available from all major booksellers or from the publisher directly, booklocker.com. So there are stories about nursing and Reiki and I do want to tell a story, but it's a story that my teacher told me, Haikuten Inimoto, that my teacher told me. And I, I love this story and it does relate to the books. So as people, we, we are just wandering lost in a forest. We might just feel like we're lost. We, we don't know what we're doing. And then all of a sudden we see a path. Oh, there's a path. We start walking on the path. We see a white oxen on the path. There's a white oxen. We walk together with the oxen. We start climbing a mountain. The oxen wanders off. We get to the top of the mountain. Ooh, look at the view. Then we walk down the mountain. Then we teach everyone what we learn. And then we wander lost in the forest. So that is our journey of enlightenment. And it's a continual process. You don't stay at the top of the mountain. You come down, tell people what you learned, share what you learned. That's what my books are, sharing what I've learned, what I learned so far when I wrote them. And so enlightenment isn't an end. It's just a step on our journey. And we just, it's, we just, we're continually learning, sharing, walking with others, learning from others. We learn from everybody. Everyone's a teacher. Thank you. That's beautiful. And so true. Thank you so much for coming on with us today. And I'll link in the show notes how people can find you and contact you about your books. And you're amazing, amazing. And thank you so much for sharing your light. Thank you again for inviting me. And thank you for sharing your light and educating people and bringing them together. Thank you, Samantha. Thanks, Denise. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Yes. Bye-bye.